I'm Miwa. I'm actually at City Campus, so that you might have not seen me here today, um, or sorry, see me at Apple Valley. But hi, just saying, um, yeah, we're just so grateful that we get to be here, and I'm grateful. I'm saying we because I see myself with my husband all the time. But anyway, so. <laughs> With that aside, it's such an honor to be here with you ladies today, and I love sisterhood. I'm part of sisterhood at City, and I just love the community that we have to be together, where we can grow together, learn together, and pray with each other. And I don't want you guys to take this for granted, because it's just amazing community of women. So when you come every week, let's just be expectant, because God has something prepared for you every week. So... Um, as they already shared, so last week, Pastor Daryl she shared about Paul's prayer and about love, and I hope you guys got so much out of it. And if you missed it, make sure you go back and listen to it because it was amazing, and you can get a fresh revelation of who God is and his love for you. And today, I'm going to be talking about unity of the Spirit. So our main scripture for this week is coming out of Ephesians 4. So if you want to open that up, that'd be awesome. It's Ephesians 4, 1 through 7. And we'll just get straight into it. And I will be reading that scripture on and off um, throughout the whole study today. And as you guys know, life is not meant to be done alone. We have people around us constantly, and life is meant to be done with others. But it can be challenging, right? Because we have our needs, people have their needs, and it's hard to create unity or be unified to other people who are very different from you. But unity is something that we need to work on. It needs to be worked on and it needs to be fought for. And only through our faith in Christ, we're able to be in unity. In the first three chapters of Ephesians, Paul went in depth talking about what God did for us, his grace. Then he goes on and calls on believers to live rightly in unity among his people. And during this time, the Jewish believers and the Gentile believers, they were all believing in God, but they all came from different backgrounds. And as you can see, that would create a little bit of, I guess, conflict. But Paul assumed the presence of such unity. To do all things possible to keep the unity of the spirit. The assumption seems to be that the unity is norm when the members live under the control of the Holy Spirit. Therefore, it is very serious to cause division among God's people. Unity is at the very heart of the life of the church. So the first point is we are instructed to lead a life worthy of our calling. So Ephesians 4.1 says, Therefore I, a prisoner for serving the Lord, beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling, for you have been called by God. And he starts with the word therefore, which also can mean for this reason or consequently, because of God's grace. So what are we to do? To live rightly. If you look at the cross-references, because I love looking at the cross-references when Paul writes, because it's, you can see what he's trying to get at. And Colossians 1.10 says, Then the way you live will always honor and please the Lord, and your lives will produce every kind of good fruit. All the while, you will grow as you learn to know God better and better. Philippians 1.27 says, Above all, you must live as citizens of heaven, conducting yourselves in a manner worthy of the good news about Christ. Then, whether I come and see you again or only hear about, hear about you, I will know that you are standing together with one spirit and one purpose, fighting together for faith, which is the good news. 
And then in the first Thessalonians 2.12, it says, we pleaded with you, encouraged you, and urged you to live your lives in a way that God would consider worthy. For he called you to share in his kingdom and glory. And then the last one, 2 Thessalonians 1.11 says, so we keep on praying for you, asking our God to enable you to live a life worthy of his call. May he give you the power to accomplish all the good things your faith prompts you to do. So Paul was encouraging believers to live in a way that honors God's gift of grace. When we truly understand what God has done for us, we naturally would want to serve God and be obedient to his to God out of gratitude. When we truly understand God's grace, we want to live a life worthy of our calling, not to earn anything. It's because we are grateful. We don't live rightly because of God's love. We live rightly because he loves us. I'm sorry, to get God's love, but because he's loved us. So how do we do that? Continuing on to Ephesians 4, 2 to 3, it talks about how to walk the worthy walk, the character in which we are called to live by. In doing so, we are able to live in unity with each other. So there are five main characteristics to maintain unity. So Ephesians 4, 2 to 3 says, always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other, making allowance for each other's faults because of your love. Make every effort to keep yourselves united in the spirit, binding yourself together with peace. So the five are humility, gentleness, patience, love, and also commitment to keep the unity. These characteristics are all choices that we can make in our daily lives. And we are, we are, we are to be motivated by our love for God and for others. We choose to be humble. We choose to be gentle. We choose to be patient and to forgive and love. And we make every effort to keep unity. So as you can see, these are all verbs, right? To do something. And then in Philippians 2, 1 to 5, I'm going to share a lot of scripture because I love getting all the points out of the scripture. So Ephesians 2, 1 through 5 says, Is there any encouragement from belonging to Christ? Any comfort from his love? Any fellowship together in the spirit? Are your hearts tender and compassionate? Then make me truly happy by agreeing wholeheartedly with each other, loving one another, and working together with one mind and purpose. Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble, thinking of others as better than yourselves. Don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus did. So as mentioned here, when we are in unity, we are content and happy with not being in control. We don't need to defend our own rights and we don't need to push our own agendas because that's what we tend to do, right? We get offended easily and we're in this victim mentality culture. So that's not what God wants us to do. So with this posture, we're able to naturally be united in spirit with peace. We don't create unity. We keep the unity. God created unity in the spirit. Everyone who has a personal relationship with Christ is a member of the body. And if you've been part of a church long enough, you may have experienced some sort of church hurt. Or maybe you know someone that has. But especially in our culture today, as I mentioned earlier, we are easily offended. We are easily in this pity party of one over there, you know, victim mentality. And, but there are also true circumstances that warrant that label. 
If none of us were human, and if we were all Jesus, then our church would be perfect and we would not have church hurt. But God did not intend for his church to be that way. He put all of us together. He created the church to have different kinds of imperfect people. And I love how Pastor Rob puts it in Welcome Home. If you've not joined Welcome Home yet, make sure you do because it's amazing. Anyway, um, so he says in the first video, he says, he says, we're not a perfect church but we are a healthy church. And I think that is such a great word for maybe some of you today. That might be an encouragement for you today. And as, so for those of you who don't know, like I guess my background, I actually, my husband and I, we were, in, we were at a church in Japan. We were on staff there and God led us to America and led us to this church. And so when we were in Japan, we were um, helping lead college ministry and young adult ministry there. And after I gave birth to my second son, our pastor there asked us, hey, could you transition to like leading family ministry rather than young adults? And we're like, uh, no, like we don't want to, like we want to like, you know, keep doing what we were doing because we were doing it for eight years. And like he didn't give us all like the details of all the reasons, but like we, we weren't, you know, it kind of hits you the wrong way. You're like, oh, like why, what does he think this? But, you know, but we, we just made a decision like, hey, this isn't about us. It's what God has put on our pastor's heart. So we were like, okay, we prayed about it. And we're like, okay, we're just, it's not our rights that's important. It's what God wants. And so we decided to submit and we chose, we decided to keep the unity. And, you know, you could have taken that in the wrong way. And you could have been like, ah, oh, this church hurt me and that. And like, you can carry that and hurt yourself. But it's up to us to keep the unity. So we chose to do that. And so I know that like God, I know God will truly honor you for choosing to keep unity because in our situation when after we moved here, after God called us, we're actually leading young adult and college ministry at River Valley Church. So God's like, here, you can have it back. So you never know what happens. But when you're obedient and choose to keep that unity, God will bring things your way that you have never imagined. So, um, yeah, and then so the next point is God works in us and through us to man maintain oneness. Ephesians 4, 4 through 6 says, There is one body and one spirit, and God chose you to have one hope. There is one Lord, one faith, and one baptism. There is one God, Father of us all, who rules over everyone. He works through all of us and in all of us. This passage of Scripture explains the unity of the church. Have you noticed God, uh, Paul kept saying one, 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 right? So that the church is one and we can experience true unity only in Christ. So he actually uses this to, you know, um, Paul uses repetitive words to emphasize on a point. And we are able to have unity in the church because we're able to have oneness in him. So in verse 4, it says, Paul teaches us that only the Holy Spirit can unite us, all believers, and we are all called to the same hope of eternity in Christ and is the only hope. Then the following verse talks about one Lord, Jesus Christ, and he referred to as the Lord in Ephesians over 20 times. One faith is referring to the salvation in Jesus, and then which is the most important, obviously, for true unity within the church, and one baptism. As in those days, salvation and baptism happen on the same day, in which believers declared that they were followers of Jesus, um, a visible representation and basis for the unity since Jews and Gentiles were both baptized in the same way. Then in verse 6, Paul concludes his one with, we are all saved by grace by the one God. Same one God. 
Paul uses the word all three or four times, depending on the translation, in which he shows the sovereignty of God over everything, and we believe in one true God. One interesting thing to note is that Paul talks about the Trinity, actually, through these three verses. So verse 4 talks about the Spirit, verse 5 talks about Jesus, and verse 6 talks about God the Father. So as the Trinity is one, we are to live as one. Okay, the next point. God gives each of us different gifts to build his church. Ephesians 4, 7. Christ gave each one of us a special gift. Everyone received what he wanted to give them. I love how the message translation puts it, puts it. But that doesn't mean you all should look the same, speak and act the same. Out of, generous, out of generosity of Christ, each of us is given his own gift. So we're not like clones like in Star Wars. We're not all stormtroopers. We don't all look the same. But so that is why we are not to compare ourselves to others. But, you know, ladies, we're so good at comparing ourselves to others. You open your phone and what are you looking at? Other people's posts, other people's best day of their lives. And you're like, oh, I'm still at, stuck at home in this rain, on this rainy day. Things like that. And comparison will only make you lose joy. So stick to what God has given you because if you want to fulfill what God has for you fully, don't compare yourself with others. God has specifically given you special gifts. So grab a hold of that and just increase that because that's just amazing. Anyway, so that's just a side note. Um, so we all have been graced with spiritual gifts and no one deserves or we don't earn gifts. God makes unity happen through the spiritual gifts in the church. Romans 12, 4 through 6. Just as our bodies have many parts and each part has a special function, so it is with Christ's body. We are many parts of one body and we all belong to each other. In his grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. Um, so if God has given you the ability to prophesy, speak out with as much faith as God has given you. And then 1 Corinthians 12, 4 through 6. There are different kinds of spiritual gifts, but the same spirit is the source of them all. There are different kinds of service, but we serve the same Lord. God works in different ways, but it is the same God who does the work in all of us. And then lastly, 1 Corinthians 12, 11 says, It is the one and only spirit who distributes all these gifts. He alone decides which gifts each person should have. And so on, continuing on with spiritual gifts, um, Paul also talks about the offices of spiritual leaderships in Ephesians 4, 11. And that same Christ gave these gifts to people. He made some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to go and tell the good news, some to care for and teach God's people. Christ gave these gifts to prepare God's holy people for the work of serving, to make the body of Christ stronger. This mentions the gifts of spiritual leaders that Christ has given as gifts to the church. So these gifts are given by Jesus' discretion and it is up to him to have all the gifts present in a church body. Jesus is the one who establishes these offices and are appointed by Jesus, not by man. So we'll review them again. So apostle, they're special ambassadors of God's work. Prophets, they speak forth God's words, not always predictive, but subject to the discernment and judgment of church leadership. And then evangelists, they're specifically gifted to preach the good news and salvation of Jesus Christ. And then lastly, pastors and teachers, they're they shepherd the flock by teaching God's word. 
So after hearing this, maybe you have some names or faces that come to mind that might have these gifts. So obviously, as River Valley, Pastor Rob Ketterling, he has a huge apostolic call on his life. As you can see, he's the special ambassador of God's work at, as he planted River Valley Church, and now there are over 10 campuses. And under his leadership, he has started the Generosity Accelerator, which brings others into the vision as he goes around the Actually, it was country, but now he went around the world to share his how and teaching about generosity and how the church can bring the giving into building God's kingdom. And it's just encouraging, right, to be able to be part of this amazing vision that he has. Another well-known example is Billy Graham. He was an evangelist. Over the span of 58 years, he traveled around the world to preach the good news, reaching over 210 million people. Isn't that crazy? 210 million people. And actually, I, I, went, I got saved at uh, Billy Graham Crusade too, so I'm one of them, one of the 210 million people. Um, anyway, so, and he also preached in 185 different countries. So of course, not everyone with the evangelistical gift is gonna be like Billy Graham. So in our local church, Pastor Kirk Graham, he has a huge evangelistical heart, evangelist, evangelistical heart, and he has, he's very gifted in that way. He is gifted to preach the good news and the salvation of Jesus Christ. He has so much passion for the loss, and it's so encouraging to see that. And yeah, so one of my favorite illustrations that I learned about explaining the different offices of, that are addressed by Paul is the hand example. So maybe you're like, what? what are you talking about? So the thumb. So the thumb represents the apostle who is all-around player and can touch the other gifts. The pointer finger represents the prophet because points and leads people to the right direction. The middle finger represents evangelist because it reaches the furthest, right? And ring finger, or some people call it the medical finger, um, is a pastor who cares, right, and can also marry people. And then the pinky, who is a teacher whose words gets in your ear. Okay, right, <laughs> it's in your ear. Anyway, so that, that's why I like, because it's very interactive. Or another way to put it is the apostle says, hey, let's go out to eat, and sets out the vision to go out to eat. The prophet says, okay, I'll find the best place to eat and points the people, everyone, to the right direction. And then um, the evangelist says, okay, I'll invite everyone, and then tells others about it. And then the pastor asks, do you need more water? Like, do you have enough, like, pepper, salt there? Like, you know, and then the teacher says, let me show you the best way to eat this, right? So that, and teaches the way to do it. So that is another way that I like to explain the different offices that Paul addresses. So the purpose of these leadership gifts is that God's people will be equipped to be put right to the work of serving or working, work of ministry so that the church will be built up to be expanded and strengthened. Equipping is like setting a bone in surgery so that the whole church will not be out of joint for the saints, making fit, preparing, making fully qualified to build up. Complete and mature believers for the ministry and edifying the, to edify the body of Christ. It is important to be mature Christians and training believers to serve God on earth. So lastly, our goal is to be mature and reflect Christ. Ephesians 4, 13 to 16 says, this work must continue until we are all joined together in what we believe and in what we know about the Son of God. Our goal is to become like a full-grown man, 
to look just like Christ and have all his perfections. Then we will no longer be like babies. We will not be people who are always changing like a ship that the waves carry one way and then the other. We will not be influenced by every new teaching we hear from people who are trying to deceive us. Those who make clever plans and use every kind of trick to fool others into following the wrong way. No, we will speak the truth with love. We will grow to be like Christ in every way. He is the head and the whole body depends on him. All the parts of the body are joined and held together with each part doing its own work. This causes the whole body to grow and to be stronger in love. And I love to put this in the worship team example because you guys, you know, as we all attend church where we have time of worship. And so the worship team, for them to sound great together because our church, we have amazing worship team. They all have to do their own part. So the lead worship leader, they need to sing the melody and the other singers probably sing the harmonies or melody, right? And then the musicians need to listen to the click. So if you're not familiar with the click, it goes like continuously in your ear. And so with that, the drummers are able to keep the rhythm and like keep um, the rhythm going and the drums. The bass player is able to play the bass notes. The acoustic guitar and rhythm guitar players play, keep the rhythm going. And the lead guitar player shreds solos at the proper time, right? Not the wrong time, the proper time. So if everyone did their own thing, the worship song would sound like a circus, confusion would set in, and no one would be able to worship to that song because we'd be so distracted. So could you imagine singing How Great Is Our God in a super fast tempo? Like I've tried it a few times in my life. I, I just couldn't do it. Like how great is our God? Right. So there is a reason why we have just everyone doing their own part on a worship team. So when the church leadership functions correctly and God's people are properly equipped, the church grows in maturity and will experience a greater intimacy with God. Maturity results in stability and a firm foundation. Ephesians 2.20, together we are his house built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets and the cornerstone is Christ Jesus himself. We will speak truth in love, not only among believers, but also to the deceivers and Encourage them not to give in to lies. We will grow up to be like Christ and in Christ. We will never grow independent aside from Christ. The evidence of maturity is when the church leadership correctly functions and God's people are getting equipped and doing their job, making the church effective. Every part and joint are working together and grow naturally and be stronger in love. God wants us God wants us to see the church as a body, not a pyramid, okay? So not the pastor on top, right, right, and everyone just leading to the top, or not a bus as God being the bus driver, or Jesus being the bus driver and we just jump in, or like, or the pastor being the bus driver and everyone jumps in. That's not how God wants the church to be like. So we all have a part to play, and it should come naturally as we truly understand God's grace for us. So... Let's, yeah, so I just want to encourage you. Let's become more mature in Christ and reflect who Jesus is. And if God spoke to you about anything about keeping unity or about things like that that I've touched on tonight, I want to encourage you guys to open up to the ladies at your table and pray with each other. And let's pray and seek God. 
So I'm going to close us in prayer, and then you guys can start your discussions. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for this time to, for us to really dive in to being able to be part of your church and to keep the unity. Help us to keep the unity. Help us to become more like you, Jesus, that we could reflect you and also, yeah, just mature in Christ. And as we open up in our discussions, God, I pray that you would just speak to people, that you would bring things to the light, maybe that they haven't really talked about, God. I pray that you would just bring healing, people would be able to find freedom, and that people would just seek you more and more every day. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.